If you uh, are on the church email, you probably have had quite a few church emails come across with prayer requests. I'm going to encourage you strongly to make sure that you check those emails. If you don't, please let us know because there's so many families that have requested prayer in the last week, surgery-wise and things going on. We want to be praying as a church, so make sure you check those out. Okay, Uh, I think that's my last announcement I really wanted you to focus on here, but um, hey, school's back in session. Yes. How many parents excited about that? Okay. How many teachers excited about that? Okay, better be. Okay. All right, good. How many kids excited about that? I got a whole back row up there. It's we, in, in the Baptist church, we call that the balcony. Okay. That's where I sat. Okay. It's always with kids, young, you know, and Adults that want to be kids, okay? I didn't see one hand go up back there. Maybe I saw one, okay? That's too bad. But, hey, school is back in session, and it's, it's good. There's uh, fall sports going on, the, the fairs, marching bands, all kind of activities has resumed uh, once again. And I know it's exciting. And um, for some of you, here's the exciting part of all this. You just couldn't wait for, and that was the start of football, right? Some of you yesterday didn't know what to do with yourselves, because there was football from like 9 in the morning till past midnight. And you just didn't know. You were like so excited from Friday night before. And all the stories, all the excitement. And I don't know why football is so special. You know, I, I once played it myself. But, you know, um, I don't know if Lydia's here. Avery, I know you're here. They both uh, scored goals for the girls' soccer team this week, right? And uh, so congratulations, girls. Okay. But it didn't get the coverage of football got right. I mean, you know, we all heard about Zach Robinson, you know, and the touchdown passes and the runs, all these yards. Okay, okay. Nice job, by the way, gentlemen. Quite a few football players here. But you just didn't get the coverage that the guys got, right? When I coach girls volleyball, the girls are always upset. It's like, we never, nobody ever talks about us. It's always the guys. It's like, I'm sorry. It's the way it is, right? But hey, how many here are involved in the Fulton County Fair? Why don't you raise your hand if you're involved in Fulton County Fair, okay? Excellent. I don't know, did anybody uh, get your name on the Channel 11 News for the ribbons you got? Probably not, right? So I, I don't know what it is. The fair is starting, but you don't get a lot of publicity. And there's education started, but there's not a lot of publicity about that, right? But football, boy, we're all over that. And so I was sort of thinking about this. Maybe it's because they celebrate in football like nobody else celebrates. Did you, did you ever think about this? The old Gatorade bath? You've all seen that, right? Miles, you want to get a demonstration here? Come here. This is what they do. Come on up here. Stand right there. See, when you're the winning coach, they take this big thing of Gatorade, and then they dump it on you, right? Fortunately, I think there's just some drips. Oh, got your big toe wet. But if this was a real game, and we were all excited, and you were the head coach, here's what's happened. You'd face everybody out there because you're all excited, like, yeah, I'm not paying attention. And these two big, ugly, muscle-bound linemen, okay? No offense, they're just not that handsome, okay? But they grab it, and then they just come behind, and they dump that cold Gatorade, ice-cold Gatorade. And if it were to hit you and go down your back, what kind of face would you make? Give everybody that kind of face. I don't know if it'd be that face, but that's, that's pretty good. You can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you. I always get a little nervous. I always cringe a little bit when I see that because I'm sitting there going, 
it's probably going to feel good if you're a young coach and it's like 90 degrees out. Then as a coach, I'm sitting there saying, bring it. I've sweat the whole game. Cool me off, right? But when it's like frigid temperatures, they still do this in December. I don't know why. And then they've got ice cold Gatorade or water dumping it on them when it's like 30 degrees out and the coach is like in his 60s or 70s, I'm feeling bad for that coach. I'm afraid something bad's going to happen with his health. And then I think about this too. Here's another thing. Why is it that the winning coach gets the ice bath? I think it should be the losing coach, right? You lost. Dump it on him. But we dump it on the winning coach. That doesn't make sense to me. And I also wonder if it's going to be dangerous because, believe it or not, Back in uh, 1990, head coach uh, George Allen from Long Beach State, after a game, he's 72 years old, after a game he gets doused by his over-enthusiastic Long Beach State football team, dumped this ice-cold water on him when it is frigid temperatures. Six weeks later, he passed away because he had come down with pneumonia. Not saying it was from the Gatorade bath that he received, but you sort of wonder, right? So we see these coaches being baptized with Gatorade. We see them having a great victory, and then somebody comes up behind them, and they're like, yeah, and they just dump it on them. I don't know if you know this, but there was another coach who 2,000 years ago got baptized as well. Not necessarily with Gatorade or a big container, okay? But this coach had a team, and, and he's more than a coach. I'm, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. But coach-like character, he had a team of 12. He had one player who didn't like his team, and so he quit. Chose to play with the other team, right? And then he had a couple players that were team captains. He had one player that sort of doubted his position on that team, didn't know if he could really do what coach asked him to do. Matter of fact, <clears throat> moms, maybe dads. It just so happened that Jesus actually had a mom come up, a dugout mom, and said, uh, hey, I want to talk about playing time with my, my boys. Maybe you don't remember that story. Matthew chapter 20, the mother of James and John, sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. Let me read this. She knelt respectfully to Jesus and asked a favor. What is your quest, Jesus said. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on the right and one on the left. Hey, Jesus, uh, I'd like my boys to be captains of this team. Uh, do you think they can be starters on your right and left? And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Well, they're going to get playing time, but you just don't know what you're asking. And then it says when the other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were upset. Really? You send your mom in to go ask for playing time? Jesus called them together and he said, you know that the rulers of this world lorded over people. This is how they rule from top down. But not with you. Not so with you. As believers in Jesus Christ, as followers of this team, it's going to be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must first be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become a slave. And then Jesus said this, 
For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Let me hear you say serve others. Let's try this again. Some of you are new to this, so we're going to help you out, okay? Look at the person next to you and say serve others. And for those of you that tried to change it and say, serve me, that doesn't work, okay? Serve others, okay? That's the key word. Then here's the next thing is, gave his life as a ransom. So repeat after me, gave his life, gave his life. As, a as a ransom. That's key because, see, here's Jesus trying to develop a team. Now, again, Jesus is our Savior and Lord. He's not the big man in the sky, and he's not a coach. He's our Savior and our Lord. But like a coach... He's got a goal. He's got a mission. If you're a, if you're a good coach, you've got, a, you've got goals set. You've got something you want to accomplish. And then you probably have a playbook with all these plans to help you accomplish that goal. Our playbook is God's Word. And Jesus says, here's my goal. To say, seek and save the lost. He actually told this to Zacchaeus in the book of Luke, chapter 19. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. I want you to think about this. Why seek and save? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, okay? So stop the panic mode right now, parents, but I want you to think. Parents, you ever been in a store, in the mall, maybe the airport, I don't know, where you thought you had your children under control and you thought they were right next to your side and you looked down and all of a sudden, oh, I'm missing one, Okay? And I, I feel really bad for you if all you have is one, okay, and you're missing. But those of you with four or five, I can understand maybe you lose track of one, okay? But have you ever been, parents, again, don't raise your hand, don't admit it in front of me, okay? But have you ever been there where you're like, you're looking around and you're in the store and you're like, where did they go? Where did they go? Now, I was sort of not, I'm going to say notorious for this, but as a kid, I did not like shopping. You know, I grew up on a farm, you do certain things, but we went to the store, it was like instant sleeping pill for me as a guy, okay? So as a little kid, when we got to the store, I was like, what am I going to do is sit here and wait for mom, okay? So as a little kid, I, you know the, the pant racks, had those, the circular racks in the clothing? I would sort of pull up in a spot, get in there, and lay down and just sleep or lay and maybe hide, I don't know. I'm going to just say I was tired. Mom says I was hiding. But I think I drove mom a little nuts at times with that. But now as a parent, I'm trying to sit here and say, if I'm walking through the mall or through the store and all of a sudden I'm missing a child, what's my first responsibility? Seek out that child, right? I need to go find my son. I want you to think about this. Why am I doing that? Because my son's lost. You see, when something's lost, if you are a person of responsibility, you know you need to go find them. Why is that? Because you love them. If something is lost and you love it, you are going to seek it out. Jesus says, I've come to seek and save those who are lost. Why did Jesus come to do that? Because he loves us. Just as a parent who would seek out a lost child, God says, I'm seeking out those who are lost. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says this. Dear friends, let's continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God, knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Look at the person next to you and tell them God is love. Yeah, God is love. See, if you want to define love, all you got to do is step back and say God is love. 
Well, isn't this love? God is love. God's been the ultimate founding definition of what love is. Verse 9, God showed how much he loved us. So God is love. And then he says, let me show you my love. Let me show you how much I love you by sending my one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world so that we might have eternal life through him. See, we make this incredibly huge mistake as, as human beings here if we were to do this and say, you know what? I am going to throw God off by loving him first. I'm, I love God. I bet he didn't realize that was coming. You're never going to catch God off guard with that. You know why? Because he first loved you. You're never going to catch him off guard by him saying, whoa, he loves me? She loves me? I, and I haven't even loved them yet. That's never going to happen. Because God is love. God loves you first. He never waits for us to love him before loving us. Until we recognize that God loves us, that he loves us first, that he loves us in spite of where we stand or what we've done. And until all that happens, guess what? We usually resist his love. As a matter of fact, Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his love for us that while we're still sinning, Christ died for us. See, it's in the midst of all of our mess and mistake and growing up not loving God that God says, I loved you first while you were still doing all that. Before we can begin to love God, we need a good dosing of God's love upon us. And once his love falls upon us, we can't help but step back and say, wow, I want to love him back. See, the first act in recognizing and accepting God's love is to accept that label of a sinner. None of us like that, right? We don't like being called sinners. We don't like being told we make mistakes. But we all sin. We all know that. We all make mistakes. Can you stand in front of everybody? If I just grab one person right now and say, why don't you come up here? And I want you to stand right here and tell everybody every sin that you've committed in the last 24 hours, last week, last month. Would you fully be able to come up here, bend a knee and say, I, I've blown it. And then admit to all of us and then admit to God, a holy God, and say, I've blown it. That's tough, isn't it? And I'll never forget a camp about four weeks ago I was at when we were praying, and, and at, the end of the, at the end of the chapel service, I fully explained the gospel and fully explained how God loves them and fully explained how Jesus died for them and gave them the opportunity to surrender their life to Jesus. And I said, right now where you're at, if you want to admit that you're a sinner, you want to ask for forgiveness, just tell God you're sorry. Admit your sins to him. Confess those sins to him and ask him to come into your life. And I said, every head bowed, every eye closed, and all heads were bowed, and and I don't know if eyes were closed, but every head was bowed. And I said, you can pray, after, repeat after me, or you can pray your own prayer. But right now, just ask God for forgiveness. And of course, I usually mean, you know, quietly to yourself or between you and God. And one young man over here confessed pornography. Another boy confessed lust. Another boy confessed cheating. A girl confessed gossip. All of a sudden, these kids, these high school students, are confessing verbally their sin one to another and to God. And I was about ready to stop and say, oh, no, you can do it quietly. I said, no, 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 this is a Holy Spirit moment. God's Spirit's really tugging on these kids' hearts, and they're just unleashing and letting their sins fly and confessing. It was an amazing moment. So when we say we're sinners, typically we start rationalizing our sins. We say, well, I may be a sinner, but I'm not as bad as a sinner as 
he is or she is. We sort of compare ourselves, right? And we say, I'm not as bad, but that isn't how it really is. See, our sin isn't measured against others. I think it's easy sometimes to say, well, I'm pretty bad compared to so-and-so, or I'm pretty good compared to so-and-so, but God says, that's not how I do it. Romans 3.23 says, for we have all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. That's how it gets measured, the glory of God, the standards of a holy God. God's basically saying, listen, here's the measurement standard. It's me. Here's where you are, way down here. See how far you are off from the measuring standard? That's why you need my love to forgive you. It's as if we took a child right now who doesn't know how to swim, threw him off the deep end. And we all just sort of sat there and watched and thought, boy, they're struggling. Yeah, because they don't know how to swim. They've never been taught. They've never learned. And all of a sudden we realize they need to be rescued. Yeah, well, who's going to do that? How about the ultimate lifeguard that can dive in into what they're experiencing and get wet and grab hold of them and pull them out? That's what God did. Because here we are on earth, a sinful mess, and Jesus said, you're drowning. I'm coming down to pull you out and save you and rescue you. 1 John 4.10 says, this is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Let me hear you say take away. away. One more time. Let me hear you say take away. Because there's a big fancy word used in Greek called propitiation. Some translations just say, well, take away. It's easier to say, right? It means debt settlement. Our sins covered and paid for by God. God sent Jesus to pay the price that we couldn't pay. I was in a store the other day, and I had a coupon, um, and it was expiring on that day, and it's for a free beverage, a free uh, coffee or ice uh, Coke or something like that. And it was like, okay, I just had a coffee. I don't need another one, and, and I'm not going to get an ice Coke, and it expires today. And I saw this, uh, the, this couple, and they both had these ice drinks, and it's like, here, would you like to have this? And uh, it's like, I'm not going to use it today. And I gave it to him, and this is what the girl said. She looked at me, she goes, you rock. And I was thinking... I haven't heard that in a long time. I don't know if I've ever heard it, actually. Um, at least pointed, directed to me. I've heard people say it about others. It's like, I walked in and go, I rock. Nice, okay. Um, but I thought about that moment. Her expression at that moment was, somebody paid something for me. It was a propitiation. They probably could have paid for it, okay? But I gave them something free. All they had to do was accept it. And it was paid for. Her response was, you rock, okay? Now, here's the deal. When's the last time we looked at Jesus Christ and prayed to God and said, you rock, God? He paid for our life, freed us from sin, from death and hell. He is our rock, amen? So we should say, God, you rock. See, if we don't let Jesus do that, we're stuck having to bear those eternal consequences of sins, uh, which is death and hell. But God loves us too much for that to happen. So Jesus shows us, let me hear you say, Jesus shows us. Jesus shows us how much God loves us by being a sacrifice. See, once we realize what kind of trouble we're in, deep water, then we appreciate so much more the lifeguard, the good news of the Bible. 
And once we receive that good news and we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, Jesus becomes not our coach, okay? He becomes our Savior and our Lord. And when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, God's Holy Spirit comes upon you. In biblical times, they say they got baptized with the Holy Spirit. Next time you're watching a football game or some kind of sporting event, and you see a coach getting baptized with water, I want you to think about how God loves you so much that when you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, God says, I'm going to pour my spirit upon you. Matter of fact, when Jesus was baptized, Matthew chapter 3 says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending from above and lightning on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. I wonder what the water was like when Jesus was in it. Doesn't matter, does it? But I wonder what his face was like when he came out. When you see the faces of those coaches when they get that cold water, <gasps> Miles had a good, good expression there, okay? Yeah, sort of rolled his eyes back there, okay? What's our expression when God's Spirit comes upon us? When you're bathed in the Holy Spirit, you're sealed for eternity. And, you know, what, what's God going to do if you sin? Because you'll still sin. You know, I was thinking, uh, Samantha, you know, you're heading back to Ohio State after all this. You, know, you came back from college, and you're going to get baptized. You're going to go back, and here's the deal. Are you going to be sin-free now when you go back to Ohio State? No, because we mess up, we make mistakes, right? God's not going to reach down and just yank the Holy Spirit out of you. You messed up and just yank it off you like a dirty Michigan shirt. Ooh, did I just say that? <laughs> I'm sorry, Michigan fans. I really am. Didn't mean to say that. Woke you up though, right? We'll pick on somebody else like Florida, Florida State, okay? God says to Satan, when his Holy Spirit is upon us, he says to Satan, this one is mine. So if you've been baptized or you're going to be baptized today, God looks at you and says, this one's on my team. You're not allowed to touch them, Satan. You can never take this one from me because they are sealed. And for those of you being baptized and been baptized, what you start understanding is all that stuff you used to hold on to, you start letting go of a little bit more. Because those world things, worldly things are no longer a distraction the way they used to be because God's living spirit, the living water is flowing through you and life is different. So envision that Gatorade bath after an upset of that arch rival washing away the frustration of losing in season. Well, in a similar fashion, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that water rushing coming upon you, His Spirit coming upon you, affecting all of your life. Now you learn to allow God to lead you, and you follow, you listen. You've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's imperative for salvation, okay? But here's the deal. God's Holy Spirit coming upon you is like icing on the cake. It's a gift that only God could pour into you and into you. It was pretty exciting. Um, I was going to say probably a month or two ago, I got a phone call and talking with Landon. He said um, that he had talked uh, with the Jagir family and, and the Sauber family, and they said that their kids wanted to get baptized, and they had a youth event going on out at the Jagir's pond. Well, that's their pond, their home, their grandparents, their whole family, that's their, that's their pond. They thought how neat it would be for them to be baptized in their family pond where, where they all, they're at as a family all the time. And so 
Um, in the back of my mind, I'm sitting there, for my first thought was, well, if they get baptized, who's going to get baptized here on this Sunday? Then I thought, you know how cool that is for them to be baptized out there uh, with their family. And so um, we went ahead and moved forward and said, absolutely, go do it. That'd be a great thing. And uh, Landon baptized the, the four kids out there. And, and uh, in a bit, those four, those four students are going to share their name so everybody knows who you are. Make sure everybody tells your name. And um, why don't you tell us about that baptism experience. And then after that, then, the next like, couple weeks later, I'm thinking, well, we're just going to have an outdoor service today. And then all of a sudden, people are like, I, I want to get baptized. And another, another. And then up to just a couple of days ago, another young lady said, I want to get baptized too. And it's like, wow, God, this is cool. <laughs> this is great. So many of these uh, that are standing up here have said this, and I want to make sure we all are clear on this, that through baptism, they're following the example of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus came from Nazareth and was baptized in the water. We read that in Scripture. And then Jesus commanded us to be baptized. He said, Matthew 20, 19, Jesus said this, Go to people everywhere. Make them my disciples. And he said, Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So not only are they following the example of what Jesus did, I said, you think about all the things that Jesus did, you get to do one of those very same things. And then you're also being obedient and following his commands. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's salvation. That's first. But then after that, let's get baptized. Many of those who heard were believed and were baptized, it says in Acts 18. So baptism demonstrates you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you're doing what Jesus did and that you want to obey his commands. So today, you are demonstrating what you believe, and you are also doing what Jesus Christ did. That's very important. And we know that baptism and illustrates the burial and resurrection of Jesus. Colossians 2.12 says this, For when you were baptized, you were buried with Christ, and in baptism, you were also raised with Christ. Again, Romans 6.4 says, By our baptism, then, we were buried with him, and we share in his death. In order that, just as Christ was raised to life, we share in a new life. Baptism doesn't make them a believer. It's just demonstrating what they already believe. It's important that they know that and they, they are clear on that. We're saved by faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved, through faith, not of ourselves, not the things we do. Otherwise, we'd boast about that. So like a wedding ring, and, and I've always shared this, but you did something out at the youth baptism that I love, okay? Because I always get up here and I say, baptism's like my wedding ring, okay? This does not make me married. It's a symbol of my marriage. I've made a commitment, a verbal commitment in my heart to God, to my wife, that I'm married to her, okay? This ring does not make me married. So Landon did this. He goes, so it's like this. It's like, like I'm not married. I'm married. I'm not married. I'm married. And it's like, that's true. You know, we don't do that. This, 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 whether I have it on or off doesn't mean I'm married or not married. Same way with baptism. Baptism doesn't save me. It's an outward showing of what's going on in my faith, in my life, in my heart. We, um, we, we are so on, honored and, and privileged as a church family to enjoy what a beautiful day. Amen. An incredible uh, host here to let us come to this place um, for then the opportunity to witness um, 11 individuals go into water along with four others. Think about this, 15 people from our church felt that call to say, Jesus did it, I'm doing it. 
I want, I want to experience this new life in Christ even more. What a blessing. What an opportunity. Make sure that when you leave today, after the potluck, okay, that you find those that were baptized. And again, pray at them, high five, shake their hand, congratulate them. What a blessing it is to see them make that choice. They need to be encouraged. They need to be prayed for. Amen? God is good. I know this is Easter time, but God is good all the time. All the time. And today, like today, is one of those days we proclaim that with strength and power and truth. Amen? Amen. Go be the church. You're dismissed.